I'm going to try to end close, close to nine, and then you'll have some time to fellowship. And like we did at the Serbian Church, we'll give you a um, we'll give you a five minute warning. And when that when we give you the five minute warning, that means in five minutes, Brother Rabella is going to be shooing you out the door. Okay, so um, um, so that we can get out of the parking lot and they can come in. And um, uh, we we bought some donuts for Anchor Baptist Church to thank them. Um, you know. They had to move a prayer meeting they usually have um, at 9 o'clock um, to make room for us. So, um, And Pastor Turner usually likes enjoying his office, but his office is a nursery right now. So um, if you see any folks from Anchor, um, be sure to thank them for their kindness to Metro Baptist Church. And, um, and, and we're working on a video that we're going to um, um, try to raise some prayer support. And that we could show maybe churches when we're trying to find um, churches to, to, to rent or to share. Um, and so um, God has really used this building since COVID in a special way. And I believe it's a, an amazing testimony of two churches um, working. Two distinct churches. We're unique churches. Um, we have unique missions. Um, and yet, we've worked together for 20 years, and the last two and a half years, um, intensely in this office as congregations. And I think that's a wonderful testimony of God's um, grace and God's goodness. Genesis chapter 43, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. We're picking up um, the life of Joseph. Remember, his, his brothers came... And he, he tested them. He didn't reveal himself to them. Um, he, want, he, he wanted to work on their heart. He wanted to see their heart. And they, they, they went back to um, Canaan land with the food. On their way back, they discovered the money they took to pay for their food was in their sacks. And that troubled them. They, they kind of... Um, They've been living with a guilty conscience for 20 years. Um, so everything they do, anything that looks wrong, um, they feel guilty about. And um, um, so they get back and um, they tell Jacob, we got to go again, but we got to take Benjamin with us. And, and Jacob says, no, you're not taking Benjamin with us, uh, with you, because I don't want to lose Benjamin. Well, when you get hungry... You'll change your mind. And that's what's happening in chapter 43. They're getting hungry, and they're changing their mind. So let's pick up the story, and we'll read this. And, and the famine was sore in the land, and it came to pass, when they had eaten up the corn which they had brought out of Egypt, their father said unto them, Go again, buy us a little food. And Judah spake unto him, saying, <coughs> The man did solemnly protest unto us, saying, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. If thou wilt send our brother with us, we will go down and buy thee food. But if thou wilt not send him, we will not go down. For the man said unto us, Ye shall not see my face, except your brother be with you. And Israel said, Wherefore dealt ye so ill with me, as to tell the man whether ye had yet a brother. And they said, The man asked us straightly of our state, 
and of our kindred, saying, Is your father yet alive? Have ye another brother? And we told him according to the tenor of these words. Could we certainly know that he would say, Bring your brother down? And Judah said unto Israel his father, Send the lad with me, we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou and also our little ones. And I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. For except we had lingered, surely now we had returned this second time. And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels, and carry down the man a present, a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, and take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again into the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brother, and arise, go again unto the man. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your brother, that was Simeon, and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I am bereaved. And the men took that present, and they took double money in their hand. And Benjamin rose up and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the ruler of his house, Bring these men home and slay. What does that mean? Make some steak dinners for these men. And make ready, for these men shall dine with me at noon. And the men did as Joseph bade, and the man brought the men into Joseph's house. And the men were afraid, because they were brought into Joseph's house. And they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time, are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us, and fall upon us, and take us for bondmen, and our asses. And they came near to the steward of Joseph's house, and they communed with him at the door of the house, and said, Oh, sir, we came indeed down at first time to buy food. And it came to pass, when we came to the inn, that we opened our sacks, and behold, every man's money was in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight, and we have brought it again in our hand. And other money have we brought down in our hands to buy food. We cannot tell who put our money in our sacks. And he said, Peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your Father hath given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money. And he brought Simeon out unto them. And the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. And they washed their feet. And he gave their asses provender. And they made ready the present against Joseph. Came at noon. For they heard that they should eat bread there. Let's pray. Father, you richly bless every human being. Your grace is extended to every person 
on this earth. Father, we see the grace that Joseph showed his brothers. And Lord, it's a beautiful picture of the grace that you show every human being. Lord, I ask that you bind Satan and that you fill me with your spirit. And may this beautiful message of grace be communicated clearly this morning. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted the gift of grace, I pray that they would accept it. And I pray every Christian would live every day living through the lens of grace, realizing that every blessing is not based upon their merit. It's based upon your wonderful, wonderful grace. Father, please help in these few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. On, on the brother's first visit to Egypt, and now on this second visit to Egypt, Joseph is very, very aware how his brothers sinned against him. But yet he chose not to immediately extinguish them. He could have. He had the power to bring full and complete justice against his brothers. They sold him as a slave. He lived as a slave. And then he was imprisoned as a slave. He spent 13 years suffering because of his brother's sin. He was very aware of his brother's sin. Yet he chose not to immediately extinguish them. This morning, I, I, the first point of the message is our existence as human beings is an expression of God's grace. Romans 5.12 tells us, Luke already explained the gospel very well in his testimony. Romans 5.12 tells us, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. God knows that every human being, after Adam and Eve, would be a sinner. And yet He still allows us to exist. Joseph, and in God's foreknowledge, He knows all of our sin. I can't understand that. I can't explain that. But God knows all of our sin. And yet, still, He allows us to exist. Joseph knew all of his brother's sin against him. But he chose not to extinguish them, to get rid of them. And God, He knows that we will be sinners. He knows the sins that we would commit. And yet He still allows us to exist. And even though Joseph knew his brothers deserved judgment, he chose 
to bless them. He chose to bless them. They were really concerned. They were really freaked out about this money in their sacks. And when they, when they, when they had a moment with the steward of Joseph's house, they were pleading their case. They said, we didn't put it there. And I, I love the words. I love the words. And this is really the, um, the key thought to this whole message. Um, look, look at verse 23. And he said, peace be to you. Fear not. Your God and the God of your Father hath given you treasure in your sacks. Did they deserve treasure in their sacks from Joseph? Did they deserve treasure in their sacks from their God and the God of their father? They didn't deserve it. And the truth be told, we don't deserve treasure in our sacks. Treasure in our sacks, it's a gift from God. It's a gift of God's grace. Joseph filled their sacks with food, and then he replaced their money. So in other words, he gave them all the food. He didn't charge them a cent for all that food. He just gave it as a gift. And the steward of the house reassured them that this was a gift from God. These, these low-down, no-good brothers deserve judgment. But what do they get from the hand of Joseph? They have found treasure in their sacks. And when they show up this second time with Benjamin, it says in verse, um, in verse 16 that he brought them to his house to eat. That, that, that's a gift from God. They don't deserve that. And then in verse number 24, um, they are treated as honored guests. They're given water. They're given a basin to wash their tired and dirty feet in. And, and, and the servant even takes care of their livestock. You know, because of their guilty conscience, um, they think the invitation to Joseph's house is not going to be good for them. Uh, they say in verse number 18, um, and they said, because of the money that was returned in our sacks at the first time are we brought in, that he may seek occasion against us, fall upon us, and take us for bondmen and for asses. Now, I wonder why they were worried that they were going to be sold into slavery. I wonder why. Because God gave them a conscience. And that's what, that's what they deserve. They deserve at least 13 years in slavery. That's what they deserve, at least. But what did they get instead? They got, their, they got a basin to wash their feet. They got water. They got their donkeys taken care of. Uh, and then... They get invited into Joseph's home for an amazing meal. 
Now he's second in command in Egypt. And Egypt has done well preparing for this famine. So this is a good meal that they are given. And when they're getting to that meal, um, it says in verse number 27 that Joseph inquires, in verse 26, and when Joseph came home, they brought him the present which was in their hand into the house and bowed themselves to him to the earth. And he asked them of their welfare. They are bowing before him. They deserve to be punished. But what does Joseph care about? He cares about their welfare. And he cares about the welfare of his father. This is a beautiful expression of God's grace. You see, the goodness of God extends to all of humanity. To all of humanity. And this is an expression of God's grace. All of humanity are sinners, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know, there's a lot of people in this world that they despise God. They never thank God for anything. They scorn the name of Jesus. And yet God is still good to them. Look at, look at a couple of verses in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45. I believe it's in this passage where we're commanded to love our enemies. Matthew 5. Matthew 5.44, yes, but I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. This similar thought is taught in Luke chapter 6 and verse 35. It says, But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Isn't that what we see in Joseph? He is being kind to his unthankful and his evil brothers. That is grace. That is grace. Everyone that breathes this morning in Burnaby is a recipient of God's grace. God extends His goodness and His kindness to all people. The Bible says in Psalms 145 and verse 9, The Lord is good to all 
and His tender mercies are over all His works. Christians, let's remember that the blessings of God in our lives are not earned by our merit, but rather are an expression of God's grace. God wants us to live in the truth of God's grace. He doesn't want us to, to, um, to flip back to a merit system. I think sometimes as Christians, we, 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 we think the Christian life is a merit system. No, the Christian life is a grace system. Anything that is good in our lives is a beautiful gift of God's grace. Because if, you know, even as Christians, there's enough dirt on us that we don't deserve anything. But yet God still pours out His grace upon us. Let us not think for a moment that the blessings we have are because of our goodness. They are gifts of God's grace. In God's justice system, the wages of sin is death. And the second death is the lake of fire. That's God's justice system. The only thing that can tip that... Your works can never tip that scale. Your goodness can never tip that scale. The only thing that can balance that scale is a sacrifice. The blood of Jesus Christ. His unmerited favor. And all of God's expressions of goodness, all God's expressions of blessing, they are gifts of God's amazing grace. James chapter 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of light, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let us give God all the glory for all of the blessings that we enjoy as Christians. We also see in this account in Genesis chapter 43, that Joseph held back his judgment. Why has he held back his judgment? He is waiting and hoping that they will repent. Why does God hold back his judgment upon the earth today? Well, 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it tells us that we are to account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. Every sinner on this earth, the Bible tells us, I'm going to read it. It just came to my mind. John 3 and verse... Look at John 3 and verse 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. Notice it doesn't say, He that is a good person hath everlasting life. 
Your good works will never pay for your sins. It'll never balance the scale. The only thing that will balance the scale is the shed blood of a sinless Savior named Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. When a person believes on Jesus Christ, Christ's righteousness is applied to that person's account. And they are made holy in the eyes of God because of the sacrifice and the holy life of Jesus Christ. It is a surety. It is guaranteed. It will stand the court system of heaven. But look what it says. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. If you're here today or listening today and you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, the wrath of God abides on you. The only way the wrath of God can be removed from you is if the blood of Jesus is applied to you. And how is the blood of Jesus applied to you? It's applied by faith. By putting your trust and your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Think of Joseph's brothers. They deserve judgment. They deserve punishment. Instead, Joseph is pouring out grace upon them. Grace, grace, grace. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Joseph is just being good to these brothers. They deserve his wrath. But why is he withholding wrath? Because he's waiting for them to repent. He's waiting for them from their heart to acknowledge that what they did was wrong. And in the ne- you can read ahead. In the next chapter... They finally get to that place where they see themselves and they confess their sins and they're reconciled with Joseph. But why did Joseph hold back his judgment? He was waiting for them to choose from their heart. Jesus won't force his way into your life. He won't force his way into your heart. He'll only come by invitation. He didn't kick down Luke Tao's um, door and say, I'm coming into your life. There had to be a day when Luke said, I want you, Jesus, in my life. We see in 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 this account that Joseph provided his brothers with the food that would save their lives. Not because they deserved it, but because of grace. We know that Jesus Christ is the bread of life and that He gave His life for this world. And, God, and Jesus has given His life for the sins of all mankind. He is the Savior of all mankind. Now He won't force anyone to accept Him. 
but He died for the sins of all mankind. Salvation through Christ is an expression of God's wonderful grace. One more verse, 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. 1 Peter 3 and verse 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. The just. He is the just and the holy one. For the unjust. We are the unjust. The unholy ones. That He might bring us to God. Why did Jesus die on the cross? That He might bring us to God. I talked to two people, well, maybe more than that this week, but I remember two people I talked to this week. One was an 84-year-old Hindu lady being treated for cancer. I sat in one chair and she sat in another chair. And she said, I'm a Hindu and I don't want to change. And then she told me that all religions are the same. And then they say, aren't they? And I said, well, not really. Jesus said He was the only way. And then yesterday I talked to a, a man that drives a motorcycle and lives what he said, what an alternate lifestyle. I don't know what that means, but I, I believe it means a sinful lifestyle. And then he told me that if religion's good for you, then it's good for you, and if someone else's religion's good for them, it's good for them. All religions are the same. The same wicked philosophy out of a sweet little grandma, 84-year-old grandma, and out of a biker dude. You see, the crux of the matter is humankind doesn't want to submit to God. When God created this world, He, make, he made the rules for Adam and Eve. And He said if He broke the rules, they were going to die. And when they covered themselves with fig leaves, he said, no, fig leaves are not acceptable. An animal has to be killed, and you have to be clothed. You see, this is God's world, and salvation is by His rules. And salvation isn't by any religion that you choose. It's not with any imagination that you come up with. No, there is salvation... And the salvation is in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is one name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Why do people scorn the grace of God? It's because they so stubbornly want to be their own God. Folks, we have to come humbly before the Creator of this universe and accept His free and perfect gift of grace. He longs to give that gift to all sinners, but they must come humbly. That's what Joseph was waiting for. He was waiting for these brothers to show a humble heart. And then he would restore himself to them. 
If you've never come humbly to God and say, God, I need you. I need you to save me. Will you come to Him today and be saved? And Christian, don't trade in the grace of God for a merit system. Don't live your life thinking that you are earning the blessings of God. The blessings of God are all of grace. We don't deserve any of them. We don't deserve any of them. They're all of grace. Let's thank the Lord for His wonderful grace today. Father, thank You for the blessings of God. Every blessing of God is an expression of Your wonderful grace. Oh Lord, help each of us to live in that reality every day. Father, help our hearts to be full of praise for Your grace, for Your precious blood, for Your free gift of salvation. Father, every time we, we take a bite of food, every time we take a step, every time we breathe oxygen, oh God, help us to breathe out praise and thanksgiving. You are so very good to us. Father, if there's anyone here today that has never humbled themselves before You and accepted Your gift of grace, I pray today that they would accept your gift of grace with our heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never called upon Christ and accepted his free gift of salvation, but you'd like to do that today. This is a suggested prayer. Parroting these words will never save you. But if words like these come from your heart, we have God's word that promises He will save. For He says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never accepted God's salvation, would you consider praying a prayer like this? Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I deserve your judgment. Please come into my heart and save me. I'm trusting your shed blood on the cross as the only payment for my sin. Please save me. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need to be saved today, will you call upon Christ? Will you call upon Christ? If you call upon Christ, in a moment we're going to stand to our feet. We're going to play a hymn of invitation. I would encourage you to, to make that decision known. If you prayed in your seat to Jesus Christ to be your Savior, I want to challenge you to step out your feet, uh, step out and come down this aisle and say, Pastor, I trusted Jesus today as my Savior. He saved you in your seat when you called upon Him. 
but oh, how he would be glorified if you would let others know that you've trusted him today. Father, please bless this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. We'll play a hymn of invitation. Christian, will you thank God for his wonderful grace? If today you called upon Christ, you've asked him to be your Savior today, and you'd like the church to know, would you come? Would you come and say, today I trusted Christ as my Savior?